You are listening to Elisha's Space Podcast, where we discuss topics of faith and mental health. Today, we have Minister Katrina M. Folks, founder of Perfection Generation Ministries. She shares the heartbreaking story of how her son was a victim of gun violence and how they've moved forward in their healing journey. You will cry, laugh, and be encouraged on today's podcast. Hello, audience. This is Elisha from Elisha Space. And I just want to let you know that I am just so thankful that you're you're with us today. I am so excited to share with you this amazing individual. Her name is Dr. Katrina Folks, and she is one of the most humblest, kindest people I have ever met. She is over Perfect Generations Ministry, that nonprofit, and she has an amazing story to share. Many, many, many of us have had to deal with trauma, and with everything that has been happening in our country, Within these last few months, it just seems significant for us to do a show regarding gun violence and to offer you support and hear someone's story so that you can know, um, so you can receive some comfort and some healing within that area. So I would like to welcome Dr. Katrina Folks with me today, and I thank you so much for joining us, Katrina. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm going to get right to information regarding what happened. Can you tell us a little bit about your son and your story about what happened? Okay, so on May 18th of 2019, well, actually, let's go back in March of 2019, one of our church family's sons was robbed in Harper's Choice in Columbia, Mm -hmm. and he was murdered. He died on the surgery table. Mm -hmm. And so not thinking, you know, we're just being supportive, right? Right. Then my son and his co-workers, they went to Sam Smart in Columbia, Maryland, Oakland Mills Village Town Center. And he was just going in to get him a drink of juice and some candy and things kids do. Right. And at the time, I received a phone call on May 18th, 2019 by my second to youngest son, Kimari. And all I heard was a scream that Mm. pierced my heart. And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, Kaylin, mommy, Kaylin got shot. And I'm like, Kaylin got shot. And I can only imagine what it was like to get that call. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. My whole heart, everything dropped because this young man, the doctors told me that he was not going to make it past five. Right. When I gave birth to him, he was two pounds, 11 ounces, had a stroke, the whole everything, diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. I changed my whole field to be a nurse. So I had literally altered my whole life around my oldest son. I, and I get so wow. the devil is a liar and right. God prevailed. And because right. my son is now 25 as of last 
Friday, June 3rd. Okay. He's 25. So, but to get that phone call and then I'm screaming, where is my son? Where is Caitlin? And he's like, I don't know, mom. I don't know. I just got a call saying that Caitlin got shot. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm calling 911. I'm trying to hang up the phone my son. My son's like, no, I don't want you to hang up with me. I'm on my way to you. I'm like, no, I need to find my son. So I called 911 and thank you, Jesus. They had arrived to take care of him because he got, so the the incident was, uh, Kalen had his earbuds in, listening to his music and his, on his phone mm-hmm. coming out the store. He said, one of his friends was saying that they was trying to close the door, but you know, hydro door was mm-hmm. closed really slow. He said he was trying to close the door, but then he had to run out of the way because it was two guys arguing and one guy shot five times. And my son did not hear it, but this is how amazing God is. The first bullet that would have taken his life altogether, actually it's two bullets that would have took his life altogether. The first bullet, actually when he was going in, the bullet was coming in to the store and it actually landed right where Kaylin was standing. And that would have been a kill shot. Whoa. And when he was coming out, a bullet grazed his face, which could have been another kill shot. Mm -hmm. And then the third bullet actually went into his leg, but he started to try to run. And when it hit his leg, it shattered his leg, his whole leg twisted around. Mm. And it was dangling. They said his friend put a belt around, another guy put a belt around until paramedics came because he was profusely bleeding out. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to catch He was like up. in shock, like, I can't believe this happened to me. Yes, yes. And we wound up finding, like, when my husband, because I was, I'm grabbing keys and I'm running out. My husband's like, hold up, you're not driving. You, you can't drive. I'm going to drive. And when we came out, the paramedics had Kaylin riding right past our house and we jumped in a car and rolled and caught up and was right behind. And you can see them working on him in the back. Mm, Okay. And when we got to shock trauma at university of Maryland, we were not able to see my son for the first 10 hours. Wow. Being there because it was a shooting. The detectives, they shut the whole unit when gun violence um, victims come into the hospital, they do not allow anybody, especially when a person's on the run, to come and see. They have to clear everybody. They were not giving us any word. I mean, it was just the most frightening thing. And then to know that by the time his brothers, because I had four sons, got to the hospital, they already knew who shot my son. Because mm-hmm. you know the neighborhood talk. Right. <laughs> and so. Behind that, Kaylin wound up having, he developed compartment syndrome, which is internal bleeding and the swelling of the muscles and the joints inside of the the thigh bone. Okay. And so he had to have four surgeries to correct the issue. He had to have three blood transfusions and two hospitalizations, but hard, intense physical therapy, 
the whole wound care, the whole everything. And of course, post-traumatic stress. And, and you know, when you're a parent, you go through that with your child. It's not like, oh, I'm going to support you. I'm going to be right beside you. You literally go through it with your child from one mother to another. I mean, my heart goes out to you just as much as it goes out to your son. Because I'm sure throughout this whole process, when he hurt, you hurt, you know. Most definitely. And it, it was probably worse for you. It was. You, there was no quick fix. It was not. And at that time, I'm a hospice nurse. Those are one of my specialties in addition mm-hmm. before I became a doctor. So I was working from the hospital. I did not leave my son's side. I mm-hmm. was like, I know ain't nobody asked me to go nowhere. <laughs> I, I know y'all not gonna ask. I, 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 I would look, probably I would be the same way, right? They already knew I was not leaving Caitlin's side. I stayed there day in, day out, and it was no moving me. Okay. Mm-hmm. My family was like, Well, I'm gonna come and no, you can come and visit, but I'm gonna be right here, right along with him, and I'm gonna watch y'all while y'all go through whatever y'all need to go through, while y'all come and visit. I'm sitting there taking pictures, so I'm documenting the whole process because at the end of the day, we're getting new updates and my son was not the intended target, but the people knew who did it. They didn't speak up because of this snitching thing. Mm-hmm. Like so street world. I grew up in DC. I grew up with some horrific people in my life. And the the rules of the street, these young people don't understand. They're very disconnected. When you're involved and you're dealing with the crime and you get caught up, you're supposed to take your beat. That's the whole point of, I'm not going to snitch on the next person. I'm going to take my jail time and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. However, even with that, you should be doing a crime. But if you're going to do it, you're going to serve it. You're going to man up. That was the rules that we grew up with. You're going to own up. And then if you're hurting innocent people, right. they're going to speak up. Right. Mother, children, innocent people, they're going to speak up. Right. Yo, no, he did it, you know, and and it shouldn't be no pushback behind that. Right. Because last year, my godson, he was my bonus son, very close friends with all of my boys. And that's Um, how it is, too. It's like they're friends. You raise them. They're mom, too. They're like your kids. They're my babies. He ate my food. He slept in my, I jacked him up when his mama called me, Trina. He acted like a fool. And I would (laughs) jack that child up and be like, I know you, you know. And his name is Jaden Ely. And that's when I had enough Mm -hmm. because we have lost 10 young men Mm. from 2020 to now, including my cousins. You know, it's just been hard breaking but last year when Jaden passed away mm. him and their another friend named Chase did two different situations Jaden died from a man shooting him in the neck and the hip in May of 2021 and then he died from his injuries on June 11th because he developed pneumonia and mm-hmm. he wound up dying mm. and That was the day that I said I've had enough because not only did my staff member lose her son two months before my son Mm -hmm. was shot, then 
my son got shot, then several of their friends got shot. And then my baby cousin shielded his girlfriend from a party that they were going to because some people were arguing and he got shot in the spine and he was up here visiting from college. Larry Aaron the third, you know, mm-hmm. he was in college. You know, sense. and he lost his life. Mm-hmm. And then my baby cousin Dante Lee, he just got shot eight times in Baltimore City, January twenty fourth. Mm. A baby, right? Just starting. These young babies are dying, and what can you do other than speak up and speak out and not be afraid? Right. Because people don't understand when they are quiet and they're silenced that they're condoning the people that are out here committing these crimes to get away. Right. I think think about that Bible story, and I'm probably getting the story mixed up with something else. So for the theologians out there, I'm sorry, y'all. But it was a situation where that the Israelites were wanting to make an idol. Yes. And because Moses' brother Aaron didn't say anything, God considered him to be just as guilty as the others because he didn't speak up. Because he knew right from wrong. Yes. And he was a leader. He was supposed to be their spiritual head. And so he should right. have spoken up, but he didn't, and they didn't. So and that means there's, that there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, because silence implies complicity. Yes. And especially when you know something. Yeah. Especially when you know something. But the weird thing that happened about my son's situation is still an open case. However... This individual was very gun crazy. It was word out in the street that this young man was selling drugs. They had a task force that monitored him. But during that process, he pulled his gun out on other people in Wild Lake in Columbia. And he was just terrorizing the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they actually got the warrant, raided the house. Come to find out it was a murder in Baltimore that had just happened. Wow. And this young man and his accomplice were involved and they videotaped it. So he evidently did not have any regard to life. And my son was like, well, mom, if he knew it was me, he would not have shot. I said, Caitlin, because my son actually, they went to school together and he trained them at PF Chains. And Mm -hmm. I said, but Caitlin, guess what? People who shoot out in the air and have impulsive decisions that they make like that don't care about nobody. They don't. And to find out that he murdered someone a week before he did that shooting with my son was nauseating. Mm, 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 mm. It was nauseating because now my son has a, a leg that is a permanent disability mm. that 
he has constant pain. And as a Black man and the healthcare industry, they look at Black men when they need pain meds as an addict when they're not. Right. He has a legitimate reason of why he's in pain. He has nothing but plates and screws all down his right leg, through his knee, and below. And but he's my not even, is, he's still a young man. He's just turned, he was, what, 25? 25. He's he just, just starting he just out in life. Maybe that's how you're starting. Wow. Just turned 25. So the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. He's going to be dealing with that type of pain. And then you wonder why these young people are self-medicating. You wonder why they don't trust doctors. They don't trust the healthcare industry. They don't trust the police, which I've been trying through my nonprofit to break that stigma Mm -hmm. of mental health, of the law enforcement, of going to your healthcare provider, making your appointments, really talking, sharing, because it does make a difference. And so my son came close to going to get mental health, but then he backed out. Okay. Because in the, you know, in the mind of these young people of all ages, they think mental health is one of the worst things on earth. But when you go through something traumatic as that, you need to be able to talk it through. You need mm-hmm. to be able to cry it through. You need to be able to have a safe space that you can just scream and just say, I've had enough because absolutely, mm-hmm. everybody needs somebody. That's so true. That's so true. So Katrina, how did you process this and how did it affect your relationship with God? Actually, it drew me closer to God drew me closer to God because when that happened, I was already on chemo for my breasts. Mm, you were already dealing with breast cancer. Wow. Then okay. right after that happened, immediately my mom got sick. Mm. She went into renal failure and congestive heart failure. And I couldn't process anything at that time. You were in survival mode. That's where you were. Yeah. I was just going, 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 going. Yeah. And I worked so much to not even think about my son, my mother, my own health, my family, my husband. I couldn't think about anything. All I knew is that I needed counseling. Mm -hmm. I reached out to a counselor. I said, if y'all don't give me counseling right now, somebody finna about to be hurt. So- I needed to check me first. I'm being transparent because I wanted to hurt the person that hurt my son. But I had to have a meeting with all of my children and all of his friends. And what you're describing, so just so the audience is aware, is she's describing really that's kind of like what it's like when you go through PTSD, when you go from step to step to step to step to step. Because you have so much going on. It's like little grenades going off. And so it's like you just deal with one thing because you don't have time to process it. Because you have all these other things occurring. And you're in what I call survival mode. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in survival mode. Because it's just so much happening. So you said for yourself, which, of course, as a therapist, I'm thrilled that you went to see somebody for therapy. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. I had to because I was like, look, 
I love me. I love my family, but I'm going to have to go and get some help because the mama part, I completely was blacking out. I was blacking out and I was just zoning in on the person that harmed my son. And I knew it wasn't intentional, but still you just did something to my family, my blood, something that God gave me to protect. It was my responsibility to keep them protected. And I felt a certain kind of way because I didn't got them all the way out. I didn't move my family from DC to Maryland to Howard County of all places to keep them safe. To, so right. they didn't have to grow up like I grew up. Like, mm-hmm. To go through the trauma, all the things that I went through as a child, seeing the things that I was exposed to as a, in early ages, the trauma. And you're absolutely right. I was diagnosed with adjustment disorder as well as post-traumatic stress because it was just one thing after the other, after the other. And then to this day, even dealing with the, the program that we're, the event that we're doing for the community tomorrow, I cried from the time I was asked to do the event for the community. I cried just about every week. Like I cried because I'm thinking about my son, my godson, mm-hmm. my, who is my bonus baby. I'm thinking about his mother, my cousins, my cousin that's in Georgia. I'm thinking about all these people that have lost their lives to gun violence. And And it's totally senseless. It doesn't make any sense. When you talk about your son and how he will be, really, he's going to be disabled. He's always going to have a physical reminder of a traumatic thing that happened to him for the rest of his life. And all he was doing was really being himself. Now, people wear earbuds in their ears all the time. And there's so much we do not hear around us because we have these things in our ears. I'm so sorry that this happened because my heart just goes out to you and it goes out to your son and to all of the losses. It's just senseless gun violence. And I really try not to get political on this show because it's not about that. We're about mental health and faith and tearing down any misunderstandings people may have about either of those topics. But it's just so senseless to me. And you said that what really what this did is it brought you closer to the Lord and it put you to a place where you needed counseling. Okay. Yeah. Because of my background, because of the things that I've experienced in life, I see God as it's okay to be angry with God. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, God, I'm angry. Right. And people don't understand that that is the relationship that he wants. He wants true transparency. And a lot of people are afraid to question God. A lot of people are afraid to even talk to God as if he's in the room next to them and say, why? And then he will softly answer you because he said, why not? Because what we go through in life is not for ourselves because he's going to bring somebody across our path that they're going to experience something. Mm -hmm. You see, our life is not for ourselves, it's to help his kingdom. And that's what I'm learning 
because there's so many people after I had my breast surgery, all these things, people are just coming into my life. And I'm sitting back and I'm like, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it at the time because it was so hurtful, mm-hmm. but I see what you're doing. And I told my son the same thing. I said, you have a powerful testimony. Mm-hmm. I said, your testimony is powerful because God is bringing you people that is going to need to hear your story right? so they can heal and see how you survive. And Caitlin is a very spiritual person. He loves God, but he's a very optimistic person. He's a black king. Mm-hmm. He holds himself very high. He's like, mom, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep busting my butt. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. And all of his brothers are very supportive of him. Mm-hmm. They all have very similar characteristics. Mm-hmm. And last, on his birthday, on February the 3rd, he was given the proclamation of Howard County by the county executive and mom's the man, well, every town and mom's the man action mm-hmm. on his birthday mm-hmm. because he was a Howard County resident. He graduated from Howard County school system and went to college in Howard County mm-hmm. and then got shot in Howard County. So it was only befitting that he got the proclamation on his birthday. And I thought that was such an honorable thing. And they will be also at the event tomorrow and Kaylin will be there, but he's not ready to talk about what occurred. Yeah. He did speak about it. I think I sent you the link while he was in the hospital and they did the interview then, but mm-hmm. he don't want to talk about it anymore because it just brings too much memory. Mm-hmm. He's probably and, not going to be ready to talk about it for a while. It's going to be yeah. a while before he's going to be able to talk about it. He still needs time to process it because his life has been altered as a result of this. Yeah. Mentally and physically. So. Yeah. And he just, oh, he just works. He works. Just like when you just keep busy so you don't have to think about what's going on in your, mm-hmm. in your head. That's what he do. He's a worker like me. And I, I have to admit, he get it honestly because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I have to regroup. But I tell you what. I have a trauma counselor, I have a talk counselor, and then I have a nurse practitioner, psych nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, mm-hmm. right along with my primary care doctors and my oncologists. Like they all, I have a really good team, and I have counselors that actually take the time to listen, to ask questions, to challenge me. They hold me accountable for a lot of things. And that's what I need. I need that structure. And some people don't even realize that they might need that structure. Right. And it's okay because people put that stigmatism, that stigma of mental health, you're crazy. No, everybody needs to speak to somebody that is not connected with their family and friends. They need to be able to vent with someone, especially if you got insurance. And if you don't have insurance, come see me because we will get you some insurance. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We do nurse case management, the whole everything. Come see me because at the end of the day, if you don't have insurance, you are eligible for Medicaid. And if you're over a certain age, Medicare and Medicaid. So come see me because everybody needs to have insurance. And then 
go and see a doctor mm-hmm. and or a clinician that is that match. And it might take some time to match yourself with the right person. But God, my relationship has grown closer and closer and closer to God because he is slowly showing me because I'm in a place right now in my life that I actually want to see him. Mm-hmm. But he is showing me even through those ordeals, he has shown me that I am present. Yes. I'm here. That's everything. Yep. Yeah. And what would you tell someone who's listening? You know, we what happened in Uvalde, Texas. We have what happened, the shootings that have occurred throughout our country. We're taping this in the month of June, even though it's going to probably going to go out in July. But we've had so many things that have happened in a short period of time within the United States of gun violence. What would you say to some someone who's gone through, who is going through what you're dealing with? What would you say to encourage them? So first, I would say my condolences of the experience. Yes. It's not easy. It does get better. Right. But you have to be open to receiving assistance. And I don't say help. I say assistance because you're not helpless. Right. Because you're still working. You're still moving. You're still thriving. And a lot of people, they lose hope. And they think that they're helpless when they're not. Mm-hmm. You are your own destiny. That's right. You have to make up in your mind what right. you want to accomplish for yourself. Not listening to family and friends. You got to do it for you. And then when you do it for you, you would then know that you're worth every day that you go and you get some assistance. Mm-hmm. Not help assistance because you are capable of helping yourself. You just need that extra assistance of layering. You need that village to be built around you and don't be afraid to speak up. Right. Exactly. And something else I would say at the beginning of a trauma, when something like this happens, it is not uncommon to feel like you're out of body. Like you get up, you're just like your daily activities feel like you're doing them, but you're not there. Right. And nothing seems real, but you're doing it anyway. Yeah. And that's your inner peace. That's your inner drive that's showing you that God is carrying you through the mess. Yeah. Yes. Truly, that is God carrying you through. So as a counselor, what I would say to you is feeling that way for someone that has gone through something similar as what you've been through, when I've talked to others from when I've studied, this is a normal type of feeling, okay? You are not strange. You are not an alien. And it takes time. And when Katrina is correct when she says that you need to talk to somebody and be open to receiving assistance, 
The other thing I would say is, even though it might not feel like you don't want to eat, even though it's a difficult thing for you to go to sleep, be intentional about trying to rest. Maybe you can't sleep, but rest. Because everyday functioning, it may seem kind of strange, but having that routine is also part of your healing process. And it'll give yourself space to grieve. Don't get so busy that you don't grieve. Because eventually, in some type, shape, or form, that grief is go- that grief is going to show up and show out. Oh, so <laughs> I will tell you that give yourself that time to grieve and process what's happening and talk to people, talk to others, allow yourself to receive that assistance and support because truly you are not going through these things alone. Reach out to your community for the help and support that you need. Can you tell us, Dr. Folks, how can people contact you if they'd like to get more information? I know that you're active with your nonprofit. Can you provide us with that information so that with the audience so that they can know how to contact you and reach you? Absolutely. Our business number is 443-583-8909. The number again is 443 443- Five eight three eight nine zero nine. Our email is perfect generation family, all singular. Perfect generation family at gmail.com. And our nonprofit is called Perfect Generation Ministries Incorporation. And you can look us up. We're on Google. You can look us up. You'll be able to see our events. We have IG at Perfect Generation Ministries. Have all of our contact information there. We're in the database. We serve the whole entire DMV area and beyond. We have clients as far as Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, North Carolina. Ohio, and we also have clients as far as Cote d'Ivoire, where we send money to to help support the families. We're self funded 501c nonprofit, and we are minority owned, and we offer a great deal of things mentoring, nurse case management services, referrals for housing, connections for mental health employment readiness program, you name it, we do it. And we do it at no cost to the community. And we are 100% volunteers. Thank you for that wonderful information. So audience, you will see Dr. Folk's information in the summary of this podcast. So if you want to, so you'll be able to have access to the link to her website for her nonprofit, Perfect Generations, and as well as her contact information. So if you go to Elijah Space, you will see that. Dr. Folks, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing this very, very difficult story. I'm sure you are helping many, many people just from sharing this to them and for giving back 
because I can still see that you're still going through and processing and getting your healing as a result of what has happened. So I thank you for that. You're helping so many people. And to my audience, those of you who have had an experience of gun violence and your family, first of all, my condolences. My heart goes out to you. My prayers go out to you. And I would tell you, just keep moving forward as you go forward in your healing journey. This is not the end. You will experience other things that occur in that level of pain. I know you may be asking the question, why did this have to happen? And there are no answers for that question that would really satisfy you. But what I will say is that in your grief, reach out for that assistance and that support. Be open to people showing you love and know that you will get through this as you move forward in your healing journey. You will get through this. So thank you for coming in today. And audience, I wish you well as you move forward in your healing journey. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to Elisha's Space, where we discuss issues of mental health and faith. Like our shows, subscribe so you can be in the know of upcoming episodes. Now go move forward in your healing journey.